0: It's Tuesday, December 19th, 2023, and you're listening to Matters of Policy and Politics, a Hoover Institution podcast devoted to governance and balance of power here in America and around the free world. I'm Jonathan Mavroidis, Senior Product Manager at the Hoover Institution, and I'm sitting in the chair of Bill Whalen, the Virginia Hobbs Carpenter Distinguished Policy Fellow in Journalism, so that he can answer questions and provide commentary about California policy and politics in which he is well-versed. Bill Whalen, in addition to being a Washington Post columnist, writes weekly for Hoover's California On Your Mind web channel. Waylon is joined today by Lee Ohanian, Hoover Institution Senior Fellow and Professor of Economics and Director of the Edinger Family Program in Macroeconomic Research at the University of California, Los Angeles. Ohanian also writes weekly about the policy environment of the Golden State for California on your mind. Uh, good day, gentlemen. Let's talk about the latest developments in policy and politics in the Golden State. Uh, we'll do a year in review uh, today since we're, since we're almost at the end of the year. Uh, Let's start talking about Governor Newsom as we do, as we did frequently in 2023. Um, This year marked his emergence as a possible candidate for president in waiting should President Joe Biden decide not to run again. Uh, However, his support has been uh, has has been sliding. Uh, A November IGS poll shows that he has the lowest approval rating since he left office. 43 percent approve of his performance and 49 percent disapprove. Bill, what do you think are the possible reasons behind uh, the slip in poll numbers? I think there
1: are two things going on. One one is just obviously he's spending way too much uh, time on national politics. If you go deeper into that uh, Berkeley IGS poll, you'll find that uh, 43% of the uh, electorate in California uh, wants them to pay more attention to California issues. And also I think Lee and Jonathan's because there are just chronic problems in California that you know just just smack for the governor's attention. Homelessness, uh, inflation, middle-class economy, crime, uh, three things he needs to pay more attention to. So that's that's part of what's going on here. Uh, it's it's that, um, but you know it's very interesting if you look at Newsom in contrast to other big blue state governors, uh, and I, I looked up these uh, numbers for a piece I did this week in California, On Your Mind. Uh, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, she is um, not underwater, which is a phrase in politics, meaning your disapproval is higher than your approval. Your popularity is underwater. She's slightly above water. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, who is the governor of Illinois, he is also uh, uh, treading water, a little above water, though it's 60% of the voters in that state say he should not run for president. In Michigan, uh, Lee and Jonathan Gretchen Whitmer, the uh, Democratic governor there, 48% approval versus 36% disapproval. So it's Newsom kind of uh, the only one suffering from underwater. And it might just be because he has just gone so much out of his way to be a national presence. Remember, this begins back in March when he launches his uh, Campaign for Democracy uh, organization to go after uh, red state governors or authoritarian leaders. He goes on a spring trip to the deep south to basically trash um, southern states on civil rights. In July, he's going after Greg Abbott. September, he is uh, hanging out at the uh, Republican debate at the Reagan Library, uh, uh, fighting the good fight for the Biden administration. And then uh, in October, he goes traveling around the world, which sure, surely looks like a presidential thing. He goes to Israel and China. And then finally in November, Lee and Jonathan, he has the red state, blue state showdown with DeSantis, which is 90 minutes of him being on Fox News. And again, looking very much as an alternative to uh, to Joe Biden. But Lee, I know you've written about the, uh, the November debate uh, between DeSantis and Newsom. And, you know, my take on it was that it was kind of a lost opportunity to have a real serious conversation about the two states instead of a lot of insults and a lot of just kind of ziggers back and forth between the two but uh your your thoughts about that evening
2: yeah bill um frankly i was disappointed there was it was supposed to be a a debate about substance um sean hannity and fox tried to make it a debate about substance they put together uh, a lot of data and infographics that were presented to both desantis and newsom about Issues ranging from energy costs to homelessness to the number of people who were leaving California and moving to Florida. So the foundation was there for a good debate. Um, I think our governor um, sort of turned that upside down. Um, I wrote in a California On Your Mind column that came out shortly after that debate that Newsom, um, I'll just say politely, he seems to be living in his own universe. Um, Everybody and their grandmother knows that California has been losing a lot of population since he became governor, that quite a few of those people were moving to Florida. Um, there's no debate about that whatsoever. The The facts are what the facts are. Um, and Newsom tried to turn that on his head. Uh, he claimed that in the last two years, which would have been from 2020 to 2022, he said... More Floridians are going to California than Californians are going to Florida. Um, your claim, he's saying to, um, to Hannity, that the uh that people are moving from California to Florida. Well, that's going to be a fun fact to check. Uh, we've already established that more people are moving from Florida, um, are moving from Florida to California than the opposite. Well, nothing could be further from the truth, particularly the last two years. In 2022, California had a net loss of over 22,000 people to Florida. That was up from a net loss of 13,000 people in 2021. Before Newsom became governor, about 5,000, there was about a 5,000-person uh, net loss from California to Florida. So there's just absolutely no content. There's no, there's no statistical content to his claim. I have no idea where he came up with that. Uh, and interesting enough, Bill, the morning of the debate, the Sacramento Bee, so the newspaper record in our state capitol, they ran with a, a story that had the headline, record number of people are fleeing California for Florida. Will DeSantis use it against Newsom? Well, DeSantis definitely did, including the fact that Newsom's father-in-law moved from California to Florida, um, but Newsom simply won't, he, he won't, uh, he won't own it, and he goes as far as to create his own, uh, create his own numbers, and he created his own numbers for the rest of the debate, um, so I was really, I was very disappointed in this performance.
1: You know, it's interesting, Lee, that maybe the uh, the MVP of that debate might have been neither Gavin Newsom nor Ron DeSantis, but Mrs. Newsom, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, uh, in this regard. Uh, the reports are true. If you remember the end of that debate, Newsom and DeSantis were willing to go another half an hour, an hour, if uh, if Sean Hannity wanted to, and Hannity was all up for it. They went to commercial and came back, and Hannity said, well, we got scheduling conflicts. We can't do it. And the back story is apparently Mrs. Newsom said, no, enough of this. She'd had enough of the debate after 90 minutes. Doesn't mean necessarily she thought her guy was losing, but I'm guessing. Maybe Lee and Jonathan. She was thinking that it was kind of a bad look for him, and that it really was, you know, just just kind of ugliness back and forth between the two. So, uh, a shout out to her on that. I think one thing about the debate that maybe got under her skin. By the way, you mentioned um, her parents who moved to I think uh, Naples, Florida. Remember, DeSantis threw that in Newsom's face, and about four days later, uh, Newsom's in laws actually, uh, his father actually spoke up and said, you know, I didn't talk to DeSantis. Interesting, it took them four days to uh, to come around on that. But uh, you know, Lee, timing is everything in politics. in show business. And one break the the California governor got was that it wasn't until a week after that debate that the uh, state's uh, legislative analyst office came out with its annual fiscal outlook. It's something the LAO office does in December. And Lee, this was a piece of shock news. Uh, Whereas California uh, in 2022, Lee had a $97.5 billion surplus. Guess what? The state of California now has a $68 billion deficit and Lee, this could have been deadly in that debate because I've looked up Florida's numbers. Florida's running a budget surplus right now, and DeSantis wants to do a tax rebate to his citizens. So Which tax rebate is two words you never hear in Sacramento, by the way. So, Lee, your thoughts on what's going on with this budget and how we can have nearly a what, hundred and seventy billion dollar whipsaw from from surplus to deficit?
2: Uh, Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that Newsom was bragging about the state surplus, uh, which came in, um, you know, I mean, it was only about a year and a half ago that this, that we were, we were looking at a large state surplus. um, And Bill, every time the stock market uh, turns down or every time interest rates rise, which affect um, home sales. California's budget goes haywire, uh, and that's because our budget is so heavily skewed towards the highest earners paying uh, an awful lot of taxes. Um, <clears throat> I believe the top 1% uh, pay about 25% of, uh, of personal income tax revenue. Um, I don't think there's another state that comes really close to that. And an awful lot of that revenue coming from those higher earners is coming from uh, capital gains. So people selling stocks, businesses, um, people selling homes. Um, So in the last year, the stock market has, uh, it's recovered now, but for much of the last year, uh, as inflation was going up, stock market was declining, interest rates went up, home sales went down. So this is a very predictable um, this is a very predictable tsunami for California. Um, during the good times, revenue floods in and during bad times, revenue dries up to a desert. And this has been the case for decades. Um, at Hoover, we have uh, tried, to, uh, we have tried whatever we could to convince, State policymakers to reform taxes so we don't have this enormous whipsaw, um, but it's fallen on deaf ears, particularly um, particularly with Governor Newsom and um, and super majorities in the upper and lower uh, state houses. So th- this this is uh, this is a huge problem for the state. Um, and interesting enough, Bill, the uh, I believe the, the SF Chronicle, um, so Gavin Newsom's hometown, uh, where he was mayor uh, twenty years ago, um, came out with a uh, left side editorial saying the Newsom owns this sixty eight billion dollar deficit, and he very much does so. He wants to make very expensive promises to a lot of progressive, um, to a lot of progressive constituents, and now he's made a lot of promises that he simply can't keep.
1: Yeah, well put. Uh, by the way, uh, in terms of Hoover people trying to uh, get a better tax system in California, our colleague Michael Boskin, the esteemed uh, economist, uh, former uh, head of the uh, Council of Economic Advisors in the Bush 41 White House, uh, he has been talking to governors going back to the 1970s to Jerry Brown, about this. Uh, he and John Cogan served on the uh, Parsky Commission, which we looked into uh, into this as well. So it's uh, we've, we've been fighting a good fight for a long time. But you know, Lee, getting back to that LAO report, um, there were two really startling numbers in there that I want to get your thoughts on because I think they speak loudly of what's going on in in California right now. One is home sales. Uh, It's found that home sales are down by about half over the past year. And Lee it found that the monthly mortgage payment for a typical home in California has gone from $3,500 to $5,400. So good luck getting by on that. But the other number that startled Lee was, um, here we are in the land of startups and futuristic ventures. uh, And Lee and the the LAO did some uh, number crunching on a number of California companies went public in 22 and 23. Uh, They found that that, number is down by about 80% from 2021. And uh, you know, how this relate to the budget? Well, IPOs and the capital gain revenue that comes from IPOs, that's benefit from heaven for budget. So here you have a state in which it's it's harder now for people, thanks to higher interest rates, to have a mortgage in California. But then secondly Lee, in this uh in this California, the Newsom, you know sells as you know cutting edge economic. No, it's just the opposite number of California companies going public is down remarkably over the past couple of years.
2: Yeah, Bill, we um you know, you and I have been writing California on your mind now for over five years, and we've often mused about a lot of trends in California are simply unsustainable. Um, raising, you know, ranging from budget issues to housing costs and the general cost of living, and we've often we've often tried to try to kind of look into crystal ball and guess. Well, you know, when is this uh, when is this really going to bite? I think we're seeing that now um businesses are leaving um i did a working paper um last year that documented twice as many businesses are leaving california as ever before um so there's one big piece of the tax base that we're losing uh and bill when you mentioned housing um and that the average uh the, a- the average monthly home payment is up to $5400 um that requires a qualifying household income of uh, of well over $200,000 to be able to get that mortgage. And not just get that mortgage, that same hypothetical household um, needs to have about $175,000 in net worth minimum to be able to put forward for a 20% down payment. So California just has abjectly become Unaffordable, particularly particularly for uh, for young households, um, you know those under forty, um, <clears throat> which is prime home buying age uh, territory for households. Uh, they're in the, they're in the process of uh, of growing families and looking for a home. When you talk about hey, I've got to have a household income over two hundred thousand um, dollars, there's just not a lot of people in the country that satisfy that criterion. Um, and yet we have California policymakers, um, including Newsom, saying, Oh, everything's great here, everything's sunny. This is California, it's the fifth biggest economy in the world, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, tell that to people who are struggling to buy a house, who are struggling to pay rent, um, who are struggling with just the general cost of living. Um, you know, Bill, just to touch base back with that, uh, with that debate he had with DeSantis, you know, Newsom, you know, Newsom was in another universe, again, when he talked about taxes, and he claimed that, well, Floridians, you know, pay, pay higher taxes than Californians. Um, Florida is ranked by the Tax Foundation, which is a nonpartisan, um, highly highly regarded research institution in D.C. Uh, there are a bunch of Ph.D. economists and accountants um, who study fiscal policies at the national and state level. They rank Florida as having the fifth lowest taxes in the country, including the fact that they have no state income tax. California's ranked 48th in taxes. Um, and yet Newsom is claiming that Floridians are taxed more heavily than Californians. Again, it's just simply, simply not true. Um so, you know, Bill, I think we may be hitting that part where California is really going to be struggling. Um is the rainy day fund, is that around? Is that around twenty five billion? Uh, the the reason I ask is because um, the whole idea behind the rainy day fund, which I think came from Jerry Brown, um, Jerry Brown 2.0, was to be a buffer in these whipsaw in these whipsaw revenue uh, spending cycles. Um, and that twenty four billion sounds like a lot. Is simply not going to simply not going to go very far uh, in terms of what we're looking at right now in California.
1: No, you can't use it all up in one fell swoop either. That's the, defeats the whole purpose of it. So yeah. I think one of the challenges here, it's not just a policy prescription, but also I think in terms of uh, attitudinal adjustments are needed. Uh, here, I'm going to point you to two people. One is a fellow named Dean Preston, who is a San Francisco supervisor. He was asked recently about uh, San Francisco's problems with homelessness and uh, opioid uh, on the streets and so forth. And here's what he said. Let me read you his quote. He said, quote, the biggest driver of why folks are on the street is because they lost their jobs, income, or were evicted from their homes, usually for not being able to pay the rent. So you have major landlords literally causing folks to lose their homes and real estate speculation making it impossible for folks to find an affordable place to live. So here you have basically a law- lawmaker in San Francisco saying that essentially... Capitalists and robber barons are to blame for the city's uh, social problems. But the other culprit here is Gavin Newsom, getting back to you know our favorite piñata, the governor. Um, here he is right now. Lee, I can tell you how you work for a governor. Uh, early December is not fun when you have a down economy and a deficit. You spend much more time than you would like sitting behind closed doors with the uh, Department of Finance, counting beans, trying to figure out. Uh, where to make cuts uh, when you have to uh, unveil your uh, budget proposal next year. So where's Gavin Newsom last week? He went to New York to appear on NBC's Late Night with Seth Meyers, which um, I just think is a rather curious use of his time, considering it was an 11-minute interview, so he had to go back and forth across the country and, Yeah, he did talk about some California issues, um, uh, if you will, in one of which which I want to get into, which is high speed rail. But the biggest news coming out of that was what he had to say about Ron DeSantis. So here he is yet again, kind of, you know, playing in national politics when he has got a real cleanup on aisle three when it comes to state issues. So I just think Lee and Jonathan lawmakers in California are just going to have to have an honest come to Jesus themselves and stop paying attention to what's going on in the other 49 states and focus on this one big state.
2: And I hope, Bill, I hope they're looking at those poll numbers um, because 43 percent um, approval for Newsom. And if we look at that 43 uh, percent approval a little more, more closely, those who strongly approve uh, for Newsom, I believe it was around 17 percent. The remainder of that 43 uh, was was, you know, lukewarm, tepid support for him. Um in what's arguably the blue state um, in the country, people are—I think—people are fed up with um, with the focus of state policymakers. And again, it's, re- it's really Gavin um, who keeps talking about uh, Texas and Florida and the red states and all the sins that they commit. And and I'm sad. To, I'm I'm sorry to say that there's an awful lot of sins here in California that aren't being addressed.
1: Mm-hmm. Final thought before we segue, Jonathan Lee, and uh, there will be an early test this next year. Uh, it'll be March in the primary and the vote on Proposition 1, which is the uh, so-called Treatment Not Tense initiative, which is uh, wants to spend billions uh, on uh, mental health needs in California. I think much like the uh, failed uh, education bond that went down a couple years ago, you're going to see the governor front and center uh, showcase this initiative. And if his poll numbers aren't better, if he doesn't show a little more interest in state work, I'm not sure he's the ideal ambassador to this, but we will see. But uh, Jonathan, I think I've hijacked this conversation back to you.
0: Uh, Bill, in your column this week for California, on your mind, you contend that the quintessential moment for what ails the state is the APEC summit in San Francisco that took place in November. Uh, The city cleaned up its homelessness and swept its streets furiously before (laughs) its international visitors arise. And this raises two questions. Why did it take an international conference for the city to get serious about urban cleanup? Um, And also, will San Francisco revert to its dingier uh, version in the near future.
1: I think the answer to the second part of it will, re- will revert to as dingier former self. You're already seeing that. You can already... You know, I've already seen on the Internet before and after memes of uh, streets that were pristine in November, cleaned up for the Apex summit. Now, uh, homeless encampments return to them. So, yeah, the city is going back to its uh, former ways, I'm afraid. But the reasons why this was done was very simple. This was the first major international conference of its sort to come to San Francisco since, gosh, the U.N. conference back in 1945. So uh, both city leaders, but the state, the governor was involved in this, too. They realized that, holy smoke, San Francisco is going to be really under scrutiny. And if we just don't take away the obvious eyesores, then it's going to be hugely embarrassing. But I would contend that it created kind of an even bigger embarrassment by just showing all this effort frantically thrown out the the New York Times described it as quote teenagers frantically cleaning up after a house party with their parents on the way home (laughs) that kind of summed it up so what did you see all this massive cleanup on the streets and you saw homeless encampments removed and and guess what we don't like walls on the southern border but we put up a big elaborate uh, chain fence around San Francisco to keep the uh, desirables uh, undesirables at bay Uh, but the problem is just kind of the overt phoniness of it you are cleaning up San Francisco so the international swells can show up and then once they're gone you just let it atrophy again and you know lee this is just kind of a sad statement about san francisco and you know in my column i pointed out one thing lee which is what's los angeles going to do in the next four years because the olympics are coming to la in 2028 and that gives the city lee four years to figure out what to do with homelessness what to do with crime, right now in LA, it's interesting. Violent crime is down, but the penny any crime of just you know getting ripped off and your car's getting boosted and so forth, like San Francisco, that's up. So, is Los Angeles going to spend four years, Lee, essentially cleaning up its act, or in the summer and spring and summer of 2028 are we going to see a repeat of San Francisco and just the powers that be in Los Angeles running around like chickens with their heads cut off, cleaning everything up magically before the Olympians arrive?
2: And Bill, uh, L.A. is facing a much more difficult task than San Francisco is uh, for many reasons. One is that the Olympics is, what, um, all told, probably three weeks, um, whereas APEC was, uh, was, what, three days. Um, so almost a factor of 10 difference in the amount of time they need to manage um, <laughs> having a functional city and having a city that looks good on television. Uh, LA is also much more spread out than San Francisco. Um, SF uh, cleaned up the the very uh, the pockets, um, the tenderloin south of market areas, um, where just an off by down by the UN Plaza where the um, the homeless and drug issues are are the worst. Um, there's a lot of parts of the city that that are fine. Um, LA is much more spread out. It ranges from downtown all the way up to Santa Monica. And uh, Santa Monica and um, Hollywood, Beverly Hills, um, Brentwood, um, Venice, uh, Venice Beach. So it's a much wider scope of problem they have to deal with. Um, there's an awful lot more homeless people in L.A. than there are in uh, San Francisco. Um, so, and I, I, you know, we haven't seen anything coming down the pike recently that says they're going to be able to deal with this rationally, which means starting now. So, yeah, Bill, I suspect this is going to be a uh, this is going to come down to a, a Hail Mary um, as we approach uh, as we approach the time that athletes are going to be arriving. Um, and, you know, Bill, it, when you mentioned um, Dean Preston a couple of minutes ago, who's one of the SF boards of board of supervisors and uh, who it belongs to the, you know, to the Social Democratic Party. So essentially the U.S. Socialist Party. Um, and he complains that the capitalism of the reason is the reason why that San Francisco has a drug problem and a homeless problem um i wish he understood that since 1950 the population of San Francisco has barely budged meaning that the housing stock has barely budged meanwhile california has grown by about a factor of 4 in that period the problem lies with San Francisco politics that have failed to build housing for the last 70 plus years um He, uh, you know, there's another guy uh, in addition to Gavin Newsom. There's another person who's living in his own universe. And um, the constituents of San Francisco are the ones who are really paying the price for him being in office.
1: You know, Lee, one thing about the Summer Olympics we know is that you will not be taking high speed rail from San Francisco to Los Angeles to take in the games. And that was another aspect of uh, Governor Newsom's appearance. It really kind of stuck in my craw and that Myers actually pushed back against him a little bit on the state of California. He said particularly, what's the deal? with high speed rail and Newsom said well the problem here is the permitting process it doesn't allow us to move along as much as we'd like and they quickly said well we're going to have 119 miles of track up and running by 2026 i think was the date he said lee Uh, But that's just part of the so-called train to nowhere through the Central Valley, which is already moving along. Then he talked about maybe having ridership by 2030 or 32. He just glossed over the fact that even with uh, a few billion dollars coming in last week from the Biden administration, the funding for that train is nowhere to be found. And the whole ideal of building this thing, which was sold to the public back in 2010, I think it was, Lee, uh, what, like a 30... $33 Thirty-three billion dollar plan, or forty billion—the numbers dance around—and um, that was a, uh, you know, what they passed in 2010 was a down payment on it. No, it's now uh, it's now passed uh, hundred billion dollars and keeps climbing. Lee, you've written about high-speed rail. Is there is there really a light at the end of the tunnel? If you will excuse the deliberate play on words here when it comes to high-speed rail, or is just you know a governor after Newsom or the governor after Newsom successor going to be still still be dealing with this mess?
2: Yeah, they'll still be dealing with it. Um, the project is indefensible, in, in my opinion, and I think almost everybody who's looked at it—you don't have to look at it very carefully. I'm sure Seth Myers didn't look at it very carefully, but it's obvious it's indefensible. Um, we uh, and it's um, and Newsom again was living in his own universe when he claimed that. Well, you know, the permitting process is really the problem. If that was the issue, they could do an end run around that. Um, that's not the issue. The issue is that laws have been broken. Um, it's hard. It's hard to really conclude anything other than there's been corruption on this project. It's. Um, it was supposed to be completed. LA to San Francisco was supposed to be completed three years ago. Um, it's probably never going to be completed. Um, the fantasy land that exists in high speed rail um, in, in 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 the aisles of high speed rail. Uh, are planning to have it um, operating by 2040. Um, That's never going to happen because there's no path to funding. And when California taxpayers um, voted 53 to 47 to approve a $10 billion bond, so what that means is we're going to be paying taxes on that bond at some point in the future, the, the law required that there be a path for funding that you could not go forward with this project without a path for funding. Um, and there's never been a path for funding. Um, Biden gave California $3 billion. That's less than 10% of Bakersfield and Merced, uh, a route that literally will have no demand. That's a route that you can drive in about two and a half hours. Bill, I did a calculation of of uh, trying to figure out, okay, well, if I'm in Bakersfield, I'm gonna take a high-speed train to Merced. Um, Let's figure out how long that would cost, including the time I drive to the station and park my car and go wait in line to get in the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You save about half an hour. And not only do you save about half an hour, the schedule better be consistent with your, t- with your time preferences. If you have to take a 9 a.m. train um, and it gets you there at, uh, at 11 and um, you don't need to be there until 4 p.m., or you needed to be there at 8 a.m., you know, forget it, you're just gonna drive. Um, and Bill, you know, interestingly, I was asked to testify uh, to the House of Representatives, uh, House of Representatives uh, Transportation Committee in D.C., which I did a, a couple of weeks ago. So I put together some, some testimony and some of the stuff we're talking about right now, I include in that testimony. Um, and the, um, the chair of the committee, um, after my testimony, the people in congress then asked questions of me and there were three other witnesses who were testifying and he asked me has anyone gone to jail for this it really seems like somebody should go to jail i mean laws have been broken um the people of california have been lied to um has anyone gone to jail and i i i just smiled and he said i'm sorry to put you on the spot somebody should have gone to jail and it's hard to come away with a conclusion anything other than that and bill i'll just close with this um You'll never guess who I spoke with uh, just a few days after that testimony. Uh, I won't ask you to guess, because you're never gonna guess, um, the CEO of the French High-Speed Raid Company. Um, Long story short, uh, SCNF is France High-Speed Rail. They came over um, around 2010 and hoped to be part of the process of building High-Speed Rail in California. They have enormous experience building high-speed rail. France has it all over the place. Japan has it all over the place. We don't. We don't know what we're doing. And he came away with that, and they just left. They met with the people on high-speed rail at that time, around 2011, 2012. And Bill, there have been, I believe, multiple changes in the board of high-speed rail, including the CEO, since that time. It's been a revolving door. Somebody gets hired Somebody gets fired, there's a new CEO, they get fired, Uh, you know, deja vu all over again. And um, so we're talking on the phone, very nice gentleman. And he says, you know, we left because we didn't want to be part of something that was going to be a failure. It was obvious that the people who were trying to plan this had no idea what they were doing. And California had mistakenly turned over the management of this to a bunch of consultants who have no experience building the kind of rail that was envisioned. Um, so Bill there you go back in 2011 2012 people who knew what they were doing New California didn't know what they were doing and we still don't know what we're doing here and now in 2023 so it's totally indefensible. Um, the, my, my last comment to the to the uh, to the House of Representatives was you know, we're spending $35 billion to build this train to nowhere, as you mentioned, for Bakersfield and Merced. Um, and I said, the people of the of California Central Valley, yes, they love that money coming in. But I guarantee you, if you could offer them a $35 billion check or high-speed rail, I guarantee you what they would pick. And I guarantee you they would not spend one dime of that $35 billion on a, on a railroad between Bakersfield and Merced.
1: They would spend it, Lee, on widening uh, Highway 99, which is the so-called highway of death in the Central Valley. It's, you know, two lanes going each way, and it's just crazy to drive between... uh... Uh, individuals and, um, and truckers and so forth. But, you know, Lee, what this all leads to is the California failing what I call the eyeball test. Uh, you know, let's talk about high-speed rail, for example. Um, here is supposed to be a vibrant train system getting closer to its uh, construction. Instead, you go through parts of the Central Valley. Our colleague, Victor Davis Hansen, who lives on a, a farm just outside of Fresno, has written about this. Uh, he talked about instead of seeing a rail, you just see these giant monoliths. And he, I think he had a great line for it one time. He said, I live 10 miles from Stonehenge. So you know that kind of (laughs) fails the eyeball test with high-speed rail. Uh, The city of San Francisco, which we talk about a lot in this podcast, it fails the eyeball test. And again, it gets back to the hypocrisy of APEC. We'll clean it up. Now we'll let it go back to its awful self as well. LA struggles. Uh, I'm always fascinated with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lee and Jonathan. And uh, I have a dirty vice. I like to uh, read the Daily Mail every morning to see how celebrities are selling themselves. And the Daily Mail loves them some Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Lee and Jonathan, they love to run one particular photo of Arnold that's riding his large bicycle uh, through Venice Beach on the way to the gym. And more times than not, when Arnold is riding his bike, he has the ocean behind him. And what you see between Arnold and the ocean is homeless encampments and piles of garbage. And this is the eyeball test for California. Um, And I just, you know, you saw this in the debate with DeSantis, where at the end of the debate, Lee and Jonathan, what did DeSantis do? He reached into his uh, pocket and he pulled out a uh, download of the poop map of San Francisco. Um, and Newsom's people had a fit afterwards. They said the Santis violated the rules of the debate by bringing in a prop. Um, actually, he discovered a very clever loophole in the debate. The loophole said that you can't you to bring any electronic uh, uh, devices, and so he just printed it out instead, using a little old-fashioned technology. But you had here the eyeball uh, test at work, and really kind of put Newsom in the position of having to defend the indefensible, which is a map of the city and council of San Francisco, with little poop emojis on it, showing where you're going to step into it if you go walking around San Francisco. And if, and if you watch that debate, you notice that Newsom did not really push back against the poop, Mackie who might be to change the subject. So on um, just matter after matter after matter, the eyeball test, and let's throw in California's fiscal house affairs as well, going from surplus to deficit, the state just kind of fails what voters see with their eyes. And I think, Lee, that gets back to, uh, Jonathan gets back to your literal question about, you know, what's going on here with the governor and the state. I think they can hear all kinds of facts and figures about California's GDP and its ranking in the world economy, yada yada yada. But it just doesn't match with what your eye see. I know. What do you think, Lee? Am I onto something here? Or am I or am I, or Oh am no,
2: there? absolutely. It um, no, it doesn't pass the eyeball test. It doesn't come close to that. And of course, uh, the New York Post, for example, the Washington Bink and conservative uh, conservative media outlets every day. I'll have a picture of San Francisco homeless, or someone passed out from fentanyl on San Francisco Street or Venice Beach in California, where there's just a ton of homeless, lots of drug trade, lots of crime, and the 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 eyeball test is not getting passed, and it's not getting passed because the lack of spending. We spend just we we spend profitability. um and we were t- you know we were talking a moment ago about a, a sixty eight billion dollar deficit. Which Bill, I um I sent out a tweet about a week ago when that when that uh, when the LAO's uh, estimate came out. I believe that sixty-eight billion dollar deficit is um is higher than um than I think something like 43 or 44 state budgets. Right. Um believe it or not. And you look at California's budget, um, and under Newsom, it's increased. Um it's increased by over 50 percent. And that's just that's just not sustainable that's not fiscally responsible you can't you can't increase the budget by 50% over 4 years um that's just ridiculous so we now have a budget of well over 300 billion dollars which works out um to over $23,000 per household and when you put your when you put your eyeball test up against that level of spending it's just incomprehensible i mean anyone would say, well, you know, something's desperately wrong here. These are just the fundamental basic issues state and local governments should be taking care of. Funliness, public safety, making sure that our cities function just moderately successfully. I'm not asking for the moon here, but we shouldn't have to watch why we step on city sidewalks. Um, And we shouldn't have to worry um, about Kids uh, haven't being exposed to the amount of drugs that you see on streets in San Francisco and in Venice Beach. Um, and yet we spend uh, on a per capita basis, I believe, more than any state other than New York. I'll have to go check that. We might, we might, we might exceed New York now. But you know, it's just um, it's just a non-starter when you look at how much is spent and what taxpayers are getting for their dollars. And um, I'd love to hear from someone who could point to any state agency and say, "Yeah, here's a state agency where things really have gotten better in the last four years because of how much more we're spending." Um, I would throw that out as a challenge. I'd love, yeah, you know, as a California, I'd I'd love to see some some level of success. I don't think it's there, uh, but if anybody can point me in that direction, I'd love to see it.
1: Jonathan, you know who else may be looking at the eyeball test for California? That is Shohei Ohtani. Uh, after he uh, signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, Buster Posey, who was a, uh, a retired uh, San Francisco Giants, he's probably head for the Hall of Fame, he was an all-star catcher for the Giants. He was asked why uh, the Giants failed to get Otani in the past couple of years. They made big pitches to other uh, uh, high-dollar free agents and struck out each time. And Posey said, well, the problem is the wretched state of the city, that you know, baseball free agents come and they look around San Francisco and their wives and their entourage look around and they don't like what they see. So i don't know maybe maybe there's a problem here beyond just finances and uh and infrastructure and crime and so forth that goes in a great state of baseball
0: he seems like he's okay with uh los angeles and taking off the uh, red angels cap in orange county driving up 30 miles up the freeway um to to don dodger blue Uh, but it's interesting um his deal is 700 uh, 700 million dollar deal record contract um, the kicker is that he'll be deferring the bulk of it until the end end of the contract. And he might be able to avoid income taxes in California by moving to Florida, Japan, or somewhere else when he moves on um, from the Dodgers before receiving that deferred income. Uh, Lee, can you maybe describe what the possible tax implications of Ohani's record deal is?
2: Um, yeah, Jonathan. So California has, I believe, the highest um, state income tax rate uh, for high earners uh, in the country, it's um, it has been 13.3 percent, and Bill, um, I believe that's rising to what 14.4 percent in
1: 2024 January 1st. Happy New Year! 14.4 <laughs>
2: percent, happy new year. Um, so 14.4 percent state income tax. You um, and you get to that for someone like Otani, uh, an awful lot of your income in principle would be taxed at that 14.4 percent rate. So, you know, you look at um. You know, he's what is it? Averages that to be about 70 million a year. Um, was it 10 years, seven, hundred. Ten years, million?
1: 70 million dollars. And what he has asked for the Dodgers to do is give him two million dollars uh, each year that he is an active player with the Dodgers. And then once he the contract expires, he will get the bulk of it over 10 years. So 68 million dollars. Uh, For each of the 10 years after he's retired and and no interest on that, by the way, while he's playing. So the Dodgers make out on that. But, you know, the question is going to be, Lee, what happens uh, when he starts getting that money and what Jonathan alluded to? Let's say he gets out of Dodge. Let's say he goes back to Japan. Let's say he goes to Florida, which is what professional athletes uh, historically have done lately to avoid state taxes. He's in for a showdown with the California Franchise Tax Board, Lee, over his money because Otani's lawyers are going to claim, and the IRS may back them up, that you can't get taxed by a state on money that came to you while you're not in the state. But what the Franchise Tax Board will say, well, wait a second, buddy. You were paid this money based upon services you did in California. And so, you know, bring on the tax lawyers.
2: Bring on the tax lawyers. I'm guessing that Otani hired some exceptionally Gifted and talented tax lawyers in terms of putting that contract together, the bill, the dollars, um, uh, the dollars involved here are um, unimaginable. Uh, if you think about Otani in California versus Otani in Texas or Florida, you're looking at potentially seventy to eighty million dollars that could be uh, that could be coming into Sacramento, possibly even more than that. Um, so yes, the principle would seem to be: this is a tax dodge. You were getting paid, uh, even though you got paid two million dollars a year, you were really getting paid a lot more than that. You just have it coming to you down the road, so you can avoid taxes. So, yeah, I think um, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of tax accounts and tax attorneys benefiting from this when the uh, when the time comes. And Bill, I wonder that if he goes to uh, if he goes to back to Japan. How successful? I have no idea how successful California would be in trying to in, in try, in trying to get dollars from him were he, were he living in another country.
1: That's well put. Uh, Japan, by the way, I think Lee Jonathan has a 45% tax rate as well. So if he moved to Japan, you'd be looking at more in terms of federal taxes, if you will. But, uh, you know, the media media coverage is really interesting, Lee and Jonathan, in that, you know, the first splashy headline is, oh, my goodness, a $700 million contract. I think Lionel Messi, the great stalker player, Uh, had the previous record at 673. So immediately eyeballs popped at $700 million. And then people started saying, well, how can the Dodgers possibly afford it? And then the news came out that it's only $2 million a year while he plays. And then suddenly the reporting was, what a great teammate, because now he's leaving all that money free so the Dodgers can hire other players. And that took about 48 hours for me to say, hey, wait a second, what a clever way to get around taxes. So, again, you know, if that's what his people are after, uh, you know, two things I'd like to say. Number one is good job on that. And secondly, speaking for everybody in this podcast, I think we'd all like to have this problem.
2: (laughs) He's got got some good PR people in his corner.
0: I mean, they'll certainly be fine if he stays in California, but the state is a costly place to live um, for most uh, Californians. According to a recent survey, 40% of Californians are contemplating a move from the state and nearly half said... That, that they struggle to save money. Uh, it's still a great state, gentlemen, if you can afford it, don't you think?
1: It is, but that's the question, if you can afford it and, uh, you know, just you know, maybe I should come down to L.A. and take Lee to a Dodgers game this summer. We could do the economics and how much it costs to buy a ticket and get a Dodger dog and all that. And by the way, there's also great infrastructure related to the Dodgers, Lee and Jonathan. They're trying to build a gondola uh, to take passengers, I think, from the train station over to Dodger Stadium. It sounds like a great idea, but I think it started out as like a $150 million project, and now it's at $500 million in climbing. So, Lee, we just can't build anything on the cheap in California.
2: No, we can't build anything on the cheap in California. Um and it depends a little bit what you mean by cheap. We can certainly build low quality. It'll cost it'll still cost an awful lot uh if we do. Um you know the I I, I mean I really hope California voters, California taxpayers, they start asking some questions about where the money's going because whether it's high speed rail where um again it's 35 billion dollars. 35 billion dollars to go from Bakersfield to Merced. That is um You know, pick your favorite public investment project within California. There's just an awful lot in principle we could be able to do with $35 billion. Uh, When you look at the state where people are always in Sacramento, people complain about why is there more affordable housing, housing, well, the reason is because we spend as much as a million dollars per apartment unit to build affordable housing. That's, that's not, uh, that's not affordable. That's, that's Saturday Night Live shtick. Um, how can it take, how can it cost a million dollars to build, um to build a one unit apartment? It's just, that's just silly, but that's the tax. That's how much we are spending right now in San Francisco and Los Angeles. We're spending close to nine hundred thousand dollars to build. Um, you know, and again, I'm talking about a one-bedroom apartment that's roughly four hundred square feet. The, uh, you know, this is this is uh, this cost. I hate to say it, but the construction cost far exceeds what Prince Harry and Meghan Markle spent on their. Uh, on on uh on their home in Montecito, California, which is one of the most expensive places to live in the country, it just it just doesn't add up. And there needs to be pressure on people in Sacramento to run audits and to be forthcoming and transparent about why we can build and why it costs so much when we can build. Um, another uh, another point I made to um, to the House when I testified in D.C. Is that um, California um, U.S. construction costs for high-speed rail um, are two to three times as high as in Europe. Um, we've never thought we were we weren't more efficient than Europe, France, Spain, Germany, um, but we are. We're about a third of the efficiency as Europe in terms of building building railroads. Um, and I suggested to the House, you know don't subsidize any more of this stuff until we figure out why this is the case. And Transportation Secretary Buttigieg uh, was pushed on this three years ago about why it costs so much to build in the United States. And he, he, hummed it on, he said, well, I don't know. I don't know why it costs so much to build here, but we just have to build and maybe we'll study this issue further. Well, three years down the road, we still don't know why it costs so much to build in the United States. I think a lot of people have ideas um and yet again we're kind of throwing good money after bad when it comes to building stuff in california particularly high-speed rail uh but it's really time for voters and taxpayers to start asking the people they elect you need to tell me why why it's taken so long to get stuff done and why it costs so much and until you give me an answer i'm going to be withholding my vote
1: well this is where the 2024 election in california theory might be interesting yes most legislative races in california are done deals um uh, they're drawn in such a way that benefits one party of the other. there just aren't that many swing districts but i am curiously in jonathan to see you have an electorate that clearly thinks california is on the wrong track uh you have a governor underwater president biden's underwater in california too by the way so voters are not in a good mood so i'd be curious to see if there's such a thing as a pound of flesh extracted by lawmakers in california in 2024 if they once again managed to slip the noose, if you will. But that's part of the frustration here that you see things being run wrongly, poorly in California, but there is really kind of no retribution for it, if you will. I think, by the way, one of the great unanswered uh, what ifs in California politics would have been if our colleague Lonnie Chen had been elected state controller in uh, 2022, because the state controller is essentially the COO of, uh, of state government. That controller has the authority to audit uh government and i've always choked about if i had the job i would have basically something like wheel of fortune in my office and i would spin it every day and whatever letter that landed on <laughs> that uh, that, uh, that corresponding uh, uh, agency or bureau would get audited and uh boy it'd be very and Jonathan to see what you produce if you just audited california's government top to bottom
2: a- absolutely right um it's it's hard as you know it's like pushing a brick wall to get anything audited here um I mean, to give you just one example on state homeless spending, we've spent somewhere around $24 billion on homeless spending across a wide variety of areas and projects in about the last four years, $24 billion. Um, Homelessness has increased in that time from about 150,000 to 180,000. And that 180,000 counts, probably an undercount because most homeless in California, um, you know, do not live in shelters. And there's a point in time count and there's it's not obvious they're finding everybody. So it's very hard to overcount. It's very easy to undercount. Um, Again, you say twenty four billion dollars. The problem's gotten worse. Something something's just not adding up here. Let's run an audit. We finally, the state lawmakers finally approved an audit. This wasn't until just a few months ago, um, but but an audit should have been done long, long time ago because homelessness uh, policies in California have been failing for an awful long time. Um, and Bill, you're absolutely right. I think Chen would have been a, um, a terrific controller and that could have been a nice gateway to having more functional state
0: government, but
2: the political powers just uh, did not allow that to happen.
0: As always, uh, gentlemen, this has been an hour of interesting and timely analysis. Uh, Thank you for your time. Happy holidays and happy new year.
1: Happy holidays, Jonathan. Uh, Safe travels if you guys are headed anywhere and uh, I will see you guys in 2024.
0: You've been listening to Matters of Policy and Politics, the Hoover Institution podcast devoted to governance and balance of power here in America and around the free world. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you might hear it. And if you don't mind, please spread the word, get your friends to have a listen. The Hoover Institution has Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter feeds. Our Twitter handle is at Hoover Inst. That's at Hoover I-N-S-T. Bill Whalen is on Twitter. His handle is at Bill Whalen CA. And Leo Hanian is also on Twitter. His handle is at Leander underscore Please visit the Hoover website at hoover.org and sign up for the Hoover Daily Report, where you can access the latest scholarship and analysis from our fellows. Also, check out California On Your Mind, where Bill Whalen and Leo Hanian write every week. Again, this is Jonathan Vreutas. Sitting in Bill Whalen's chair this week, he'll be back for another episode of Matters of Policy and Politics. Thank you for listening.
2: This podcast is a production of the Hoover Institution, where we generate and promote ideas advancing freedom. For more information about our work, to hear more of our podcasts,
0: or view our video content, please visit hoover.org.